podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So, we'll, we'll get started then. So, joining us today, obvious co-host on Villa Spaces, Steve. This is the first time I've spoke to you pretty much all summer, like we haven't even spoke away from Twitter because you're just busy being a student and running a company because you have a mad, crazy brain. Um, how are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm are you busy? Are you living uh, the student life? I mean, are you living off pub noodles and hot dogs or what? Uh, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Okay. Uh, we also have Neil from uh, Love of Pomegranate podcast and Villa View. Neil, how are you feeling? Transfer day? Transfer deadline yeah. day? Ah, it's been, look, it is what it is. No one dies. No one dies. That's a, that's a positive. <laughs> uh, Omar from Villa Talks podcast and also Villa View regular. How are we? I'm good, mate. I'm good. I'm uh, looking forward to this. Uh, I'm looking forward to. A, I'm hoping for a surprise from Villa, just to just to make things interesting. But I doubt it's going to happen. But we'll see. Never know. Dan was just yeah. speaking, but then he's disappeared. So I, I, we'll just assume that Dan's okay. Dan doesn't need any introduction because I've I've got it. Always oh, requested. There we go. Oh, but I can't. Yeah, there we go. Are you in, Dan? Hello. Hello, Dan. He's on mute. Off mute. Get off mute, mate. Hello, Dan. I'm here now. Oh, here he is. Sounds like he's in a fucking tunnel. Brilliant. <laughs> God, he's back. How are you, Mr. Sky Sports News? Can you hear me? Yeah, you're okay. Back. You're in a tunnel a bit, but like it's just one of them, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, I don't know what You sound like you're in the bath with like a rubber duck or something, man. <laughs> nah, it's in my office, man. My office. Mr. Sky Sports News, how's your day been? <laughs> All right, long, long day. It's not great when you get into the office and uh, the first thing they say to you is that uh, we haven't sent anyone to Villa, Villa's training ground because I don't think they're going to be doing anything. <laughs> that, was a, that wasn't a good start to the day, but I'm, I'm like Omar, I'm hoping for something to happen, but it's purely his hope because I don't think we're going to do a thing. Well, we're definitely running out of time. That's why we're getting, we're getting awfully close now. So we're going to do a spaces till 10 uh, and then live straight after Dan, Omar and Neil will be on the Villa View. Um, they'll be live uh, during transfer deadline day. We were all clutching on straws um, on us trying to sign somebody last minute. Steve, we'll start with you. Um, thoughts on the transfer window? Oh, there's 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 a good split on Twitter. Really, there's a lot of people moaning about the moaners, but then there isn't actually that many moaners. Like I do, kind of half see the the side of it of yeah we we are a bit short in areas but I still believe in everybody involved you know I see both sides of it what's your what's your views been on the the transfer window yeah I mean I, I would have liked personally I would have liked to send back um, but really you know th- this season I don't think we're going to be getting um, European football in any realistic world. Um, we're not going to go down. So I don't think now is necessarily the right time to make moves if the moves aren't there. Um, if we want to wait for better value in the summer, more options in the summer, um, and to give Emery more time with the squad to realise where the, where the gaps really are. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. So the, the the bench is probably going to be looking a little bit thin, isn't it? In games, uh, Neil, the bench is going to be looking a bit thin. Um, obviously, we've had a lot of outgoings, but between them, th- there hasn't been a huge amount of, of game time anyway. So we'll probably see a lot more youth on that side of the bench. Um, what are your thoughts on the window, Neil? Are you are you annoyed that we 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 haven't done more, or where are you with it all? Um, it's an interesting one because I, I think when you talk about the bench, um, realistically, when we when when you kind of crunch numbers and you see who's gone out, if you count the likes of Freddie Gilbert, who's gotten no time this year, Nakano, yeah. who's gotten no time this year. Archer, who's gotten no time this year. Have we really missed that much off the bench? Now, don't get me wrong. They're senior players. They're players that we could have utilised, albeit I think Gilbert had his bags packed 18 months ago um, and has wanted out for some time. Um, I think, you know, obviously Archer, we're seeing him do great things at Middlesbrough. Maybe he needs that time to go away and to to learn his trade at Middlesbrough and come back to us next year with that in mind. And the Campbell, I don't think, was really going to, Going to filter into to Emery's plans because he just can't he can't, he can't pass the ball. Um, which, in fairness, he was brought in to be a destroyer and a stopper, but he can't pass the ball. So when you think about it that way, <laughs> we've brought in um, we we we've brought brought players back like Kane Kester Hayden, like Bertrand Traore is gonna is gonna come back in there. So from a body's point of view, we probably break out even. And I know it's the quality thing that people are going to talk about and say, you know, we didn't improve the quality of the squad. And I think that's a fair comment for people to say. But from a numbers point of view, I think we're pretty much in and around the same, considering we were never going to use Nakamba and we were never going to use Freddie Gilbert, um, who've gone out. So I think we've, it's a wash, it's a break even. And the big talking point, obviously, is we've let six goals go out the door on Danny Ings. And as of not 11 minutes past nine, we haven't replaced those goals and that's really kind of, I think, what the big talking point is for me. Yeah, for, for up the, top. For this, for this. But, but look, we live in hope. And Una Emery has gotten us all these points with these players already. And who's to say that, that, that he can't get us uh, the same return from points from the same amount of games and more as we go through the next, the next tranche of, uh, of Premier League games. So it, it's, it's a difficult one for me to be really despondent, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you, you, I can see it from both sides. I would love to have had an extra striker. I would probably love to have had an extra centre-half like Steve. But we live in hope, as I say, that you know that, that uh, we can get through the rest of the season. And I think we can, because I think the numbers favour us in, in, in a lot of areas. Yeah. Um, Omar, just quickly before I go to you. Someone DM me asking if the photo. I, I thought people were genuinely just on a wind up, but I think there's people who actually think that photo of me and Dan with Emery is photoshopped. It's not. It's genuinely real. It's just Dan had a bit of a shaky hand, so who knows? A bit blurred. <laughs> I'm not having that with a shaky hand. There was, only, there was only one person shaking, and you pretty much begged me to do the talk. Yeah, I asked you to talk, man. I get shy. What's wrong with that? Don't mock me for being a bit starstruck. Like, that's the gaffer, ain't it? No, no, no. Like, you're used to mingling with the stars eating prawns all day, Dan. I am not that. Do you know what I mean? So you're around superstars all the time, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm not used to walking into the clubhouse and the villa manager being there. No, well, we didn't even know. So me and Dan were watching uh, the first leg of Newcastle v Southampton. And then there's a lad who works on the bar who uh, watches the podcast, watches Villa View. And he said, you know, Emery's over there. And we were like, where? And he was like, directly behind the pillar where we were sat. So 
once he finished eating, we just asked him for a quick photo. And we didn't we didn't speak to him. We just that was it. Um so yeah, the photo is real. <laughs> um Omar, someone said in the in the comments, Omar, do you think that uh Duran walks in gets into the starting eleven? Watch I wanna Let's touch upon what role you think he'll play this season. Um, honestly, I, I really don't know because um, probably not the answer you want to hear. But I'm glad we've signed him. Um, looking at the way he plays, you know, he's definitely got the physicality uh, to play in the Premier League. But he's come from the MLS. He's unproven. He's got lots of potential. I think it's difficult to ask that much of him, to be honest. I think you know, for him to come in halfway through the season playing MLS football, coming to the Premier League. It's a lot of pressure on him to say come in and, and do a job, um, and that's my my only concern. I think he's definitely one for the future, but if Watkins gets injured, we've talked about it already. Neil's mentioned it already. If then that's that's my only real gripe really with what we've done in January is, you know, is, is it too much to ask for Durant to come in and do a job if Watkins is out? You know, we thought he might not make the talent game, and he did. But if he gets hamstring injury or something like that, then who plays up front? Uh, that's probably why I'm so glad we got. Bertrand Troy back in, to be honest. I know. <laughs> Put the pressure I, on him instead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, at least he's played in the Premier League and he's and he's delivered as well, you know, in terms of goals and assists. I know people are, I know some people don't rate him and some people do, but he's, he's inconsistent. But, you know, as someone said, show me a consistent wigger and then I'll show you 80 million quid. You know, I think it, it's very difficult to find a consistent winger, but he's, he's done it in the Premier League before, albeit in the COVID season. So it's a hard one to judge, but. He's definitely got the ability, um, and, and under Unai Emery, you know, who knows what kind of player he might be. Emery's known to, you know, make the average player look good. So um, I think he's got the ability, and I think he can do a job. Plus, he can play up front. Leon Bailey can play up front. So I feel a little bit better than I did maybe 24 hours ago. Yeah, I still would have liked. I still would have liked. You know, getting rid of Danny Ings. I know he doesn't fit the system, but he's still a top goal scorer. He's still good for a goal. And if you take out his goals that he scored this season, you know, we're we're near the relegation zone. So, well, I think three of his last four goals have been penalties. Danny Ings, I think I heard someone say that recently. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know. That. But yeah, I mean, the goal against Wolves, the two goals against Brighton, they're the ones that stick. Yeah, out important goals, like genuinely important goals. But I, I, I definitely get your your point of view on that. The, the one thing that does, I mean, I in a way, I am kind of glad if we're not going to do any business. Um, that we have brought Trey away back, and it is it is a lot of pressure for an unproven nineteen year old to have to go up front and pr- provide goals. And all it takes is a few stinkers for people to say horrible things on social media. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, exactly. And I, I just wouldn't want him to experience that. You know, I want him to do what he's got to do development wise first before you know. But I think we'll see him feature. I think he'll definitely get some minutes. Hundred percent. Um. Dan, we'll come to you, Dan. If you could keep it below 500 words as you're charging us per per word, you say. If we could keep it below 500, uh, we don't want to be bankrupt. Thoughts on the window, Dan? Um, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think at the start of the window, everyone would have expected a winger and a forward to come in. And obviously, a forward has come in, but it's a, a pretty inexperienced option. Who I think by default now, whatever happens, he's going to be in the match day squad because you've got twenty in the match day squad, and we've only got about twenty outfielders now. I think from from the maths that yeah. we were looking at earlier in our WhatsApp group, so he's going to be involved in the first team. So it might be a case of bedding him in with some minutes off 
the bench and then next season after having a pre-season he'll be ready to compete I think the key thing is from what I've been told if, if Emery had found a striker or a winger that he'd wanted the money would have been there but it sounds like Emery's quite at ease with the situation and doesn't want to spend for the sake of it and that he'd rather go all out in, in the summer and get a player in that, that he really wants and spend the money that way which I am okay with I think Troy Allray coming back again I know some people don't rate him that's a bonus for me because I, I wasn't expecting it and, it and it adds another number to, to, to the attacking positions. Him and Bailey in the same team could be super frustrating on on some days. I can't, I can't imagine what that would be like at Villa Park. But it's another option and it's someone who did score goals in that lockdown season and Gerard completely alienated him really in pre-season. Didn't really want him about. Decided that we didn't need any wingers and we were going for this weird narrow system and all the wingers went so... It's a shame he's injured at the moment because we, we could do with the numbers now. But overall with the window, you know, we've signed a left-back who I think is more, more dynamic than perhaps the, the full-backs that we have in terms of he's got that, that natural pace and he, he looks an attacking threat. And when he gets up to speed, hopefully he'll be a good player. I was yeah. with um, Europe, European football correspondent yesterday, Kevin Hatchard, and he said that Moreno's in his top three signings that anyone's, anyone's made. In, in the January transfer window, he rates him highly. So I was encouraged to hear that yesterday. But I think, you know, we've, we've we've not had great January transfer windows in the past. This is probably another one that Villa fans won't remember fondly. But the proof will be in the pudding. If we avoid injuries, we'll be okay because Emery's getting a lot out of these players at, at the moment. And we have got some very good players. But if we pick up a few injuries and we have a bad run of fixtures, we could be do, in for a sticky time, but we're not, we're not going to go down. So, do you boys think it's a missed opportunity in terms of where we're in, this, in the position we're in, and how how Liverpool and Chelsea are struggling? And uh, it, it, it's a, around us. It's a it's a risk though, isn't it? To to spend, to maybe get, buy someone at an inflated price with an inflated wage. Um, it's and then it not work out for them. And then that Europe doesn't happen. I understand that, but yeah. at some yeah. point, Chelsea and Liverpool's form is probably going to pick up, and you know you might find that Brighton and Fulham slip off a little bit, so those four change around between them. But I think we'll be in and around them. But you might see that Liverpool and Chelsea might start slipping away from. You know, you might see Brighton and uh, Fulham come down a, a couple of positions, and we'll be in the mixer with them for like eighth, ninth. We haven't had a good transfer window, really, since we bought Emi Martinez, Matty Cashett and Watkins and Troy Allray and Barkley, I think it was as well. That was the last good transfer window that we had. We haven't utilised money very well in, in the last three or four transfer windows. So I think if they'd panicked and gone and done that again in this window, you can't just keep chucking money up the wall. I think that's probably something that the club's quite wary of. I think it probably makes sense to, to wait till the summer because... Whatever we all think and whether you, you think Europe's a possibility or it's not, I, I know mathematically it, it is. I don't think we'd be ready for, ready for Europe at the moment. I think Emery needs a full pre-season with, with, with his own players and go properly at it next season and try and win a cup. Realistically, I think we've probably got five or six players who I'd describe as being really good players. And then the rest are, some are good, some are okay. But really, we struggle with consistency with a lot of the players in, in our first team. I don't think we'd be ready ready for Europe. And I think even with the Chelsea and Liverpool drop-off, I still think there's teams that have been in and around the top half of the table more recently than we have that, that are better placed than us. So I don't think it's a disaster. I still don't think we'll sign anyone in the, in, in the next couple of hours, unfortunately. But there's hopefully there's some, some youth to come through. It's a shame so many of our youth players are, are on loan because it would be a good opportunity to, to bed some of them in. But maybe we will see. 
the, the likes of Bogard come in and, and play some football. Maybe Kane Kessler Hayden will get some games and, and Caden Young and maybe they'll get bedded in and be ready to be part of the first team squad next season. Um, Neil, I'll, I'll come to you. Uh, guys, if you want to leave some comments in the comment section, uh, after I've asked Neil this one, uh, we'll get Steve to read some of them out and he can answer some of those questions. Um, Neil, you wanted to, you, you mentioned something interesting earlier about uh, the FFP side of things um, that someone had spoke to you about, didn't you? Yeah, and, and look, I'm, I'm going to preface this with the fact that um, this is where okay, this Neil, is Neil's gold, by the way, guys. This is what Neil gets out of bed for every day to <laughs> wax about this type of stuff. So I, take a deep breath and get ready. Neil's about to blow your mind. I, I'm, I, I'm, take, I'm taking this at face value from somebody who messaged me messaged me on Twitter today, and I did try and take a look into it. Um, so this is very much it's just something for consideration. And I know nobody likes to talk about the fact that there's a wolf at the door when it comes to money with any with any clubs. I'm massively on record as saying that financial fair play is a myth in a lot of areas. But um, my mind always harkens back to somebody that I know people might want me to mention on the podcast, but Christian Perslow um, mentioned when we first came up that it would take us at least three to four years to bed in from a financial fair play point of view um, after after coming up. Um, now, with that in mind as well, we had somewhere in and around somewhere between sixty nine and one hundred and five million pound loss of losses in our May twenty twenty uh, balance sheet or May twenty twenty um, statements. Uh, should I say we're three years on from that? So when we talk about and this is just point this this is just uh, something to consider. I don't know whether it's one hundred percent true or not. But when you think about a club often comes out and says, well, we can't afford them in January, but we're going to go back in for them in June. And my thought, I, I was trying to think, where that, why, how does that make sense? And for me, I think it might make sense for Aston Villa at the moment that, you know, yes, we may, not, we may have all the money in the world, but we may be constricted from a balance sheet point of view um, to, to spend a 40 million on Guendouzi and then go in and spend another 60 million or another 50 million on Luis Enrique, Enrique and then maybe take 25 million of that and then go and spend it on, I don't know, an Ishmael Sar, and then cherry on the cake, 3 million on Amusa Dembele. Something along those lines. I'm obviously being hyperbolic here with the words, that I'm, with the, the numbers I'm using. But when you think about it, if we had somewhere in the region of 100 million of losses that we had in May 2020, that comes off our financial fair play um, reporting in on the 31st of May this year, which means that it frees up a, 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 a body of cash that the club then can utilise um, without falling victim of the three-year financial fair play thing. I'm completely open to be blown apart on that, as I say, but it's something that someone mentioned to me. I haven't had full time to look into it yet, but it's worth consideration. I think, so are you saying we've got a war chest in the summer? Is that like TLDR? <laughs> oh yeah, take take that one to the bank, absolutely. But no, it's, it's, a, it's a consideration, I suppose. I, I've always struggled with the fact that clubs say, we won't buy him in January, but we'll go back in for him in June. And then you're kind of going, well, if, if you have the money for him, like, like why, why not spend it now and amortise the contract out over an extra six months, you know, within the contracts like Chelsea are doing at the moment? Why not add an extra six months on amortise out? Aren't the they, the haven't they found the loophole, Chelsea? They have, but, you, but UEFA are going to close that now and it's only going to be the first five years of any contract will count towards. Now, it's... Chelsea have gotten away with it with this with this transfer window it seems, but in the next transfer window, any any player signed 
the first five years will be taken into account from the amortization of contracts of the transfer fees point of view is what it's looking like it needs to be ratified by UEFA yet. So the days of signing somebody up to an eight or nine year contract like Chelsea have done recently may potentially be on the way out. Oh, okay. So that they're just getting them all in now, what they can, pretty much. Yeah, they they found the loophole, and UEFA have looked at it and gone, "Oh, they're after doing us here. You know, they're after really making it, making us look like mugs. So we're going to close the loophole for anybody else." <laughs> That's what the talk is at the moment. Um, Steve, do you want to uh, do you want to read out some questions, mate? Yeah. So I've been uh, I've been scrolling through the replies, the hashtag, um, and what everyone seems to really be talking about is this idea of we've lost things that's really the only real loss um and we haven't brought in anyone uh to replace him but the other question seems to be will duran be able to play and i think those two questions sort of answer each other um you've said in this space tie uh you'll hope we see more youth minutes um and i think what we've done with duran is spend quite a sizable amount of money to bring in a younger player yeah. And given him the perfect yeah. opportunity to get involved uh, by moving things on, we've completely opened up that pathway for him. And to me, what that says is that the club, the recruitment team, Unai Emery, believe Duran is ready to play at least a backup role for Ollie Hawkins if we do have those injuries. Um, I, I think a, a lot of people uh, seem to still want a centre-forward. Uh, but then the other question people are asking is, who would you want to sign in the summer? Um, so I'll open it back up to all of you. Uh, what would be your number one position for the Omar, summer? Omar, we'll go with you first. Um, um, I, th- I think uh, a winger for me, I think, is key. I think, um, as Dan mentioned earlier, we got stuck in this place with Gerard where this narrow formation and we ended up selling or loaning all our wingers out. And I, 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 I really like Leon Bailey. I gave him some criticism earlier on in the season because I didn't think he was working hard enough. Um, but I think he's been. I think he's generally been pretty good under Emery. He's going to be again being consistent at times. But if we can get like a top class winger who can deliver consistently, I think that could be a massive difference maker for us under Emery. Um, and we'll give Emery a bit more flexibility in terms of the way he can play. Um, in terms of striker, I would like another striker definitely. But we've had this conversation before, and it's so difficult to find a top tier striker. Um, you have to get lucky or hope someone like Duran comes good because, you know, if you're looking for the next Christian Benteke, you have to take a punt from someone. You can't. You know, we, we signed Danny Ings, who was the best of the rest. You know, if, if you wanted to sign anyone who was proven... That's a great way to describe Danny Ings, the best of the rest. I like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, even then, it didn't work. Well, it, it sort of worked because he scored goals, but it didn't quite fit. So I think it's always going to be difficult to find a top-class striker. So the way Emery plays, he sh- we share the goals around. So... Having a top class winger, I think, would be would allow us to, yeah, play the way that Emery wants to play and continue to sort of get good results. Um, and again, share the goals around. And, and not necessarily, we don't need necessarily need a striker to score twenty a season, but we need someone like Watkins who can pitch in with goals, pitch in with goal contributions, and the all round play be involved in like like he does as well. Uh, Prondal, we'll go with you. What do you reckon? Another striker, but I just I can't see where one is. Obviously, things will be a bit, a bit easier in the summer. But if you look at the fact that Manchester United have, have signed Veghorst, that tells you that there's not much out there. I know Man U have had restrictions on what they can spend because they're overspending in the summer. But 
you know, Manchester United are signing Val Veghorst from, from Burnley as, as, as their striker changed their season around this yeah. time. Wolves, Wolves have basically got Mendes on their side, give, giving them players. They've struggled to get a striker. They've wanted a striker yeah, but for years, do, do, and even with Mendes, there's contact books they've not been able to get Do you one. think we've weighed course, though, Dan? Do you think we've weighed course that uh, he, he wanted a type of striker who had the attributes or the statistics in certain ways. It's probably more of a stay question than me, but he probably fits a profile of a striker that he needs short term. He might be perfect for his system. He's always done well with a, with a big striker. His good teams have always had a big striker. And to be fair to Ben Course, he's, he's very good at pressing and he's pretty good with his feet as well. But by and large, Ten Hag's teams have had that striker. But Manchester United fans aren't dreaming of, of someone who plays a lot about Ben Course. They, they, they want to get in a, a, a big name striker. Now, according to Greg, Villa, Villa were looking at João Felix, for example. So Villa, Villa have got ambitions. They want, they want to make big signings. They want to sign big players, albeit this one would, would have been on loan. There was they couldn't get him. He's gone to Chelsea, according to Greg as well. They, they, they looked at Depay as well. He, he he's ended up not being interested as well. So a bit of a looking for a striker, but I really struggled to see that there's there's one out there. So as much as I want one, I, I haven't really got any names. So I just think signing a striker now is so difficult because teams play with with one up front. So you're almost relying on this this domino effect when, when you go in for for a striker. You're relying on someone else to assign someone for silly money and for it to filter down and it get get to your level that you're at and you get a striker in. So Gwen Doozy was the one I was really keen that we got we got Gwen Doozy. I think we will get him in the summer. I think it's clear that we were hundred percent interested in him. The money was perhaps a little bit high at the moment because of January inflation. Emery's worked with him before. I think he'll work well in that hybrid central midfielder slash wide midfielder role the way McGinn and Ramsey have played. I love the way he works. He's he's in he's in the France squad every time as well. So I think we'll see someone like that in the summer. But my main priority w- would be another forward because we've let Ings go and we're playing two up front. So I'd like to see a genuine bona fide goal scorer in there. Neil? Yeah, goal scorer, I think, uh, and striker has to be has to be the number one area, I think. Just, just because we, like... Uh, John Duran is, is our only recognised striker at the moment. And even at that, two years ago, he was playing on the wing for Evagado. You know, you've got Ian Bailey playing up top at the moment. He came into the club as a winger. His stepdad, Craig Butler, says he wants him to play up top. Uh, and eventually in his career, he's getting the cha- chance to do it for Aston Villa now. But as we know, Bailey can be in and out of the game at times. And you've got Ali Watkins, who is transition from a, a, a wide player in, in, into a striker as well. So I think a striker, I think a, I think a born-bred striker, which as Dan and as Omar and as, as you all have said there, are difficult to find. And I always go back to the fact that they, how difficult strikers are to find in 2023 even boils down to the fact that Germany went to the World Cup and didn't have a recognised number nine. Uh, in their in in their squad, and this is Germany, who's famous for having you know good top strikers, number nines. But I think also from an Aston Villa point of view, I think even though we've got Diego Carlos coming back, I I think that there's going to be open heart surgery on our defence over the next two transfer windows. I think in the summer we might see another centre half come in, um, that that would be maybe an upgrade on an Ezri Kanzar, maybe even. You know, dare I say, at Tyrone Mings, even though I am a big Tyrone Mings fan, I think that, think that just with the age profile of our of our defence at the moment, uh, Mings thirty and approaching the uh, and 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 obviously getting older. Same with Dina, same with Ashley Young. 
I think there might be some some movement within within the back line at the moment. We're yet to know whether uh, Emery actually fancies Maddie Cash in there as well. Uh, as I say, Dean is 30. Um, Alex Moreno, who's come in, is 29 as well. So, you know, there might be a small bit of rumblings in the in, in the in the defence as well. And I, for one, think that one of the areas he would like to go for would be centre-half. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if come the summer um, that we would see at least one player, one one defender, probably one midfielder, a winger, and and a striker come in, and and hopefully they will catapult themselves into the into the first team as well. So uh, I think he knows there's work to be done, obviously, on the team because even when you look down through the starting eleven that we will likely have against against Leicester, we'll probably only have two players in that team in the starting eleven that weren't here at the end of Dean Smith's. Um, campaign with, with Aston Villa if you think about it we'll probably only have uh, actually no we'll have three we'll have Luca Dean we'll have probably Bubakar Kamara or Luca Dean or Alex Moreno we'll have Bubakar Kamara and we'll have um, we'll have uh, who else is there there's someone else oh my mind isn't working um, yeah anyway you guys can make it up as you go along as well just like I'm doing. <laughs> but that's what I'm trying to say is that that uh, <laughs> The, the you know the the core group of players that we will have for the rest of the season are guys that have been here six or seven years so uh, or five five years should I say so it's going to be it's going to be a, a kind of a mix and match them I think from here on to the end of the season and then we will start to see see new players come in which look it's just going to be the way it is I suppose and I don't feel you know I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and it's not going to make any different changes to my life but at the end of the day I still feel the big change for me over the course of this transfer window is I feel that Aston Villa can go out and get points off teams even with the current groups of players that they have because they've proven that they can do that under Unai Emery. I mean, you raised some great points, mate. Um, Someone's pointed out in the comments that uh, Weghorst is a trial um, for Man United to see if he works in Ten Hag's system um, to then buy Harry Kane in the summer. I mean, wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened. Um, Steve... Let's go to you. So, Leicester, Man City, Arsenal, Everton, Palace, next five. Uh, how many points are we getting from that 15? So, Leicester at home, City away, Arsenal at home, Everton away, Palace home. Um, I mean, I think it's hard, harsh to judge uh, too much on a five-game stretch. So, whatever does happen, um, I think it's important to stay positive. Uh, but I, I think I, I'd hope for seven plus in that yeah. run. Um, I think the points tally so far under em- Emery's been very impressive. I think maybe there's a co- been a couple games where we've started slowly, uh, not performed our absolute best, and maybe got away with a couple things at times. But we're definitely seeing some progress in there. I think the biggest thing that I've been looking to see, and the reason why I- I'm really interested in a defender, is. Um, I don't think we're good enough at all at playing out of the back. And I think that's really what's hurting our attack. Because I believe in our midfield and I believe in our attackers. Uh, that The quality is there. And what we saw in the last game, especially in the first half against Southampton, was a different shape and build-up. Um, and just so much better passing, so much quicker football than I think we've seen all season. Um, so my biggest objective over these next five games would be to keep that going and keep that progressing and really start to find some attacking form 
from the benefit of that. Here's, here's one question for you, Steve, actually, because I remember we did a spaces when we announced Gerard, and you was very anti-Gerard, and I, to be fair, I laid into you a little bit telling you to stop being a, a spoil sport and just be happy. And you were like, that you gave me the biggest I told you so ever. Like, what are your views on Emery? Because you were like, no to Gerard from day one and you were bang on. Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't think he's the best manager in the league. Um, but what he is, is better than all of the rubbish in the league. Um, and I think he's he's proven that. He's, he's better than Gerard, and he can get something out of this squad. Um, if it's not taking us to Champions League and the promised land, then it's not that. But I think what Emery can do is at least give us some progression, at least turn what we have into something and try and get a squad together, try and get something to build off. Um, uh, I think he's got a proven track record of being able to at least give it a go. Um, and I think his record in cups shows that he's never, you know, he's never seriously failed anywhere. I don't think, um, in terms of, you know, any danger of relegation. Um, and I think he's a manager who who has his ideas. He has. Is is he the man yeah, who's going to lead us to Europe? I I hope so. I, I think I think he can. I do think he can. Um, We'll wait and see. Um, I, I do hope so. I really do hope so. Oh, I do, Steve. I, I do genuinely believe he's, he's the man. I, I, under, I, I do understand the impatience from people on social media and they probably react a little bit far-fetched, but it all ultimately comes from the, 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 a good place of you just people want to see the club do well because it's been a bit up and down the last few years and... You know, since we've been back in the Prem, it's been a bit instable, hasn't it? It hasn't been very, we've had no stability. Um, obviously, financially we have, but, you know, in, in our form and stuff like that, we've never really had stability and confidence anywhere. We didn't know what Villa were going to show up for 90 minutes. So, it, like, I hate seeing people argue in the transfer window on Twitter because ultimately everyone kind of just wants the same thing and some people just get a little bit impatient with it and I, I do understand people get impatient. Um, but ultimately, everyone just wants the same thing. They want to see Villa do well. Some people want it yesterday. yesterday. Some people are happy waiting to the summer. So I just, I'm just i excited to the, for the window being over just to stop seeing people argue. Like, I just don't like seeing people argue, especially when it's like... Two people who you talk to, both of them, and then they're, like they're arguing with each other. It's like mum and dad fighting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very, I'm very anti-conflict from that point of view as well. <laughs> like, why can't we argue? <laughs> I'm just so on the fence with it. Like, I do understand both sides, but it ultimately, it all just comes from the same place of everyone wants Villa to do yeah. well. We all love Villa. We all want to see us do well. Ultimately, we all want the same thing. That, that's all it boils down to, isn't it, Neil? Uh, well, I like as, as you guys know, we were we were in a WhatsApp group today, and and I had a bit of a moan, and, and <laughs> I said to, I said to the guys, I said, "Look, I have to get this out of my, off my chest." <laughs> and it was paragraphs, you know, I, by the way, guys. It was paragraphs. It was, it was, 
it actually was. Yeah, I think that that's where Dan took the whole. We've got twenty players uh, in twenty available outfield players because I did a full breakdown of what was going through my mind. And uh, do you know what? I found it pretty cathartic because when I put it down, I said, "Look, at the end of the day, if we bring somebody in, it would be great." And when I when I wrote down everybody that we had. And the players that went out, and the players that came, the players that came in, including players that we like, the likes of Ken Kester Hayden, I included him because he's not going back out alone. Whether he becomes a viable part of our team or not, I don't know. But if you were to say his name before the season started, coming off the Australia tour, everybody was saying, well, potentially he he was going to be yeah. there. You know, he was going to be there there <coughs> in our squad. And and I've included the likes of Bertrand Traore because we know that Emery was looking for a winger, and Bertrand Traore. While he's not exactly, you know, he's not he's not Neymar, he's not he's not Mbappe. He's going to come in, and if he contributes two goals and two assists between now just and a little bit team, of magic, yeah, just a little team. bit. <laughs> uh, it's 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 still more than you know. It's still more than we would than than uh, you know. We it's still more than we potentially will get out of Philippe Coutinho. You know, between now and the end of the season, and that's another guy who has got who's got to kick into gear. Whether he can or not, I don't know. But he's had two weeks now working with Emery again, and let's see if uh, if if he can kick on. But that's really where I came down on it, and I said, you know, it was nice for me to run write it all out and and to get it off my chest. And and at, at the end of the day, at the very end of it, I just thought to myself, I went, I can't change what Astonville have done today. I can't change. I would have loved, and if anybody listens to listens to my podcast and and, and watches on YouTube. I, I just love watching players. I love doing um, spreadsheets on players and their statistical analysis and watching them and scouting them. It's, it's my favourite thing to do. I prefer it to watching football is to, is to trying to, try to analyse players. And when we brought nobody in, it really killed me. Like, I, I felt like, oh, God, I've, wa- I've wasted the last <laughs> You did so many player reviews. So many. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I, yeah, but as someone, you know, as someone said on the uh, on the comments, you at least can use them in the summer because when we signed them, you is what I made earlier. Do you know what the funny thing was? I I, I did one for uh, that guy who moved to Leicester, that, that guy Tete, and I said, "Oh, he'd be a nice fit for Aston Villa, best than this." And I just fucking DM'd a, a Leicester podcast. I went, "Hey, I've no fucking use for this anymore. There you go. You can use it in your podcast if you want because I don't have it." And I did the same with with your man. It, what is it? Ewan Ewe or whatever his name is. It's signed for signed for Forest during the summer. So, uh, but look, as I said, the transfer window yeah, gets everybody's hopes up. Have you have you seen that um, Kilo Navas um, is signing for Forest? It's, it's signing for Forest. Mad yeah. that is. Yeah, it's just popped up there. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, but the, the the transfer window gets everybody's hopes up, and and, and I always find it gets me really high, especially on transfer deadline day, and then you get this crashing low when no one signs, and sometimes. Think of it this way: you can always go lower because remember the time we we got the news that Tom Carroll signed for Aston Villa, and it was after the deadline day. I don't know how that made me feel, considering he got about fifteen minutes. We're, we're meant to be signing shirt, so. um, Leroy Fair, and we, we yeah. had Tom Carroll. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, right, lad! So, someone has tweeted yet. <laughs> The 2022 active roster wages for Villa and the Photoshop Dan as the top earner. I wish that were true. Let me tell you. I'm sorry, Dan. That's uh, that's tickled me. I saw, I saw it as well. I was hoping you wouldn't see. 
Where's that? Yeah, they, they've tagged. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, nah. <laughs> I don't want to pin it to the space. I don't want to be mean to Dad because I do give Dad a hard time. <laughs> you can pin it to the space. Just seen a couple of interesting things flash up whilst you were talking. So Everton have been going heavy on Saab, and they've, they've been getting rejected. And then Axel Tanzaibi was actually with us like last season. Going to Stoke. Is it? Struggling in the, in the championship. That was the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, people are upset about the lack of signings. And again, I, I get it. But, you know, we made, we made four or five signings in January last year. And we got worse from making those signings. Like, we, we didn't get any better. We, we yeah, but I mean, I, I, I've seen that point before, but Newcastle, look at Newcastle. Yeah, yeah no, 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 of course. But they? you never know. This We've made a couple of signings. That we, we, we might carry on going well. We're picking up points anyway. We've won games that you would never have expected us to, to win. I, I get we'll be, I yeah, get we'll yeah. be in trouble if we, if we get a few injuries. But if we don't, we'll, we'll be all right. We'll, we'll continue to move up the league. And whatever happens, we're looking out because we have got the right manager. I don't think there's any debate on that. If Unai Emery doesn't get us into Europe in the next two or three years, and then we're not ever getting into Europe. I, I also think Emery's going to... Um... Is it reminds me a bit like Julio in terms of what he was looking to do at Villa before he left and obviously then passed away. But um, in terms of, I think he's going to obviously improve the team, improve the squad. But I also think he's going to start building the foundations for Villa going forward. So I don't, I don't think Langer and Co will be here in the summer. I think there's going to be a lot of changes in the back room, and I think a lot of that will be based on what Emery decides in terms of who he wants to bring in as sporting director, scouts, etc. I think the idea behind that is Emery's going to obviously try and get us into Europe over the next two or three years, but also when he does eventually depart, leave a legacy in terms of a footballing structure. Because obviously he's a footballing man, he's a knowledgeable man. He is an elite coach. We know all that. And I think I think that's what he's looking to do as well. So we're, we're here thinking, I'm, I'm, and I'm talking about myself here, thinking here short term over the next three, four months, but... He's probably thinking, well, this is where I want the club to be in five years' time. I, I, I do understand the sporting director side of things. I do. Um, I, I, I definitely see the him wanting to bring in someone who he's worked with before on transfers, and I think he'll know exactly what type of player that Emery wants in in an Emery system, right? You know, so maybe that makes sense. Maybe that happens. Just a small one on that. When Emery signed for for Aston Villa, um, I spoke to Graham Hunter on on his uh, on his appointment and how he kind of worked within structures like that within Spain, and uh, that was one thing that he mentioned was that sometimes Unai like Unai Emery had never really been massively involved in a transfer policy as such. Now he would have worked with Manchi at at, at Sevilla. He would have worked with him, all right, but like Manchi is is one of the world's best at, at, at that, or he's he's over time he's been proven to be to be quite adept at it within Europe anyway. So he did say it would be interesting to see if he would go the transfer route himself because he would have learned a lot from Manchi, or if he would go and get somebody to to come in and be that director of football, that sporting director that that we all think that he will do. And all all signs point to the fact that he will do that, considering that it. It, it kind of came out and then it kind of disappeared again that he was very high on the Real Sociedad sporting director and really wanted him to join him at Aston Villa, but um, it never transpired. Or There's been some, there's been some play exactly. movements around that, hasn't there? I don't know if anyone saw that. Yeah. I think it was about a week ago, maybe three or four days ago, that we had yeah. a plane from Birmingham go to Sociedad and come back. Yeah. So I wonder I if that's... It'll be interesting to see, and I think that will 
that would probably dictate a lot of the talk, I suppose, really between now and then, what happens with Johan Lange. Um, like, obviously, I, I forget sometimes, we have Rob McKenzie at the club, one of like one of Britain's most heralded scouts, and we've heard little to nothing of him, and he seems to have been very underutilised over the last two or three years. So the scouting system is there, you'd have to imagine, considering he's the, the brainchild behind the likes of N'Golo Kante, Riyad Mahrez, all those guys coming in to join Leicester when they had their title-winning season. So maybe it's just been an underutilization of, of of current assets that we have within the club and maybe a new sporting director or maybe a sport new sporting director comes in and blows it all up and changes it to his way of thinking but it's going to be interesting to see what happens regardless i think okay so we'll we'll, we'll start to wrap up um, as i'm conscious of time because you three are going live on camera for some reason Steve keeps disappearing um he's back in now you back in Steve? Yeah, yeah, he's here. Steve, so going into the second half of the season, predictions? Um, Mid-table, I think. Where um, we are now? Yeah, I, I think... So we've got, we've got 18 games left. Yeah, I'll I take, I take top half. Um, I think we'll be where we are now. I don't think we'll be any lower. Um. I think it's just very competitive in the mid-table this year. And I think the teams above us um, are probably expected to improve, um, at least a couple of them. Um, so I reckon anywhere between 11th and 9th, really. Uh, Dan? Yeah, I'll say, I'll say 10th, probably. I'll be happy with that, especially after the start we had. Vince, we would have probably been in a massive relegation scrap under Gerard. So, I'll, again, it feels like a bit you're right enough to say them, but I'll take a comfortable league finish. And if we can finish in the top half, we haven't done that for so long now. I think that, that is progress. It's obviously just a shame what happened in the Cup because I think the fans would be happy with the Cup run and, and top half. I think that's where, where realistically we probably see where, where we should be currently. But obviously, we had that disaster in the FA Cup but yeah I'll say probably 10th a push 9th but 10th is probably the most likely I would Omar yeah I'd say probably 10th or 9th um, we've got a good opportunity I think if we take out the Man City and Arsenal game we, I think most of the teams play are the lowest in the table so I think we've got a good chance definitely um, but it'll be tough to get any higher than that given what other teams are doing but yeah I'll, I'll go for 9th Cool. Neil Yeah, tenth, I think, is uh, in anywhere in around there. Like it's, as Dan said, it, it's competitive in the middle. Uh, there's no way Chelsea and Liverpool. Well, I say that about Liverpool, but I, I, I think there's no way Chelsea are going to be as bad as they have been at, uh, over the last uh, seven or eight games that have seen them drop down to only a point ahead of us. And I think that they will pull away. And I think probably you're going to see kind of a rebalancing at the likes of uh, the likes of Fulham. Um, as as the league goes on, so I just don't see opportunities for us to jump into like eighth or even seventh position. I don't see opportunities uh, for over the course of the next season, but over the course of the rest of the season, should I say? So I think consolidation. And remember, as Christian Perslow said, continuous improvement. If we improve on last year and we jump to within top half of the table, tenth position, I think that's that's acceptable considering we've changed yeah. managers and completely changed our, our playing structure uh, over the course of the year. So yeah, I I think tenth, just like the 
the majority of the guys there would be very Neil, someone called Andrews DM'd me and said how good is Neil first time I've heard him you've got yourself a new fan mate <laughs> yeah come on thanks Andrews <laughs> Experiencing Neil for the first time is a really wonderful thing when you've never heard him speak before because he just talks so passionately about everything that he talks about. I I feel very privileged to have you as a friend, Mr. Dunworth. You are a wonderful gentleman. Thank you very much, Ty. Likewise, the feeling is mutual. Right, so uh, let's wrap it up there. We're, we're coming up to an hour. I know Bardell will be rolling his eyes going, oh, I'm, you know, he wants to go and have some caviar and a... You know, scone before the villa view at 10 o'clock. Um, so if you are looking for some more content for the rest of the evening, guys, um, villa view are going live now on YouTube, um, where they'll be touching up some more upon what we've spoke about in the spaces tonight. Um, but yeah, thanks all for listening. I'm sorry that we haven't really done any spaces this year. Me and Steve are both just really busy with real life stuff. We've both just got loads going on in real life. So that's been the reason that we didn't do things for the Duran and Moreno signing. Um, but hopefully in the summer things will be back to normal. Uh, thanks everyone for watching uh, and uh, up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 